you know, I, I always like to make some statements, more, more for myself. You know, one of the statements is, I, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit working right now in each and every one of your hearts. And I believe that fervently so much that when I come up here, I know God is doing something in your life in this season at this moment that may not be related to what I'm about to share. But that's okay, because I believe the Spirit can still use what I'm going to share with you today, good or bad, and still work that for the good of His will in your life. Amen? And so what I ask everyone always, anytime I share, is don't listen to my words, but lean in to God this morning. Lean into His Spirit. I might say something that might trigger something in your heart or in your mind and kind of lead you on a mental rabbit trail. But I, I encourage you today to explore that because I believe God is with you in those moments. I believe God is trying to unveil himself, unveil yourself to yourself, and ultimately meet you wherever you are. And so I, I just like to say that because it takes a little pressure off me, one, a lot of pressure off of me, and two, it's an encouragement to you to really lean into the Spirit of God today. Amen? So... It's always an honor, and it's always fun for me to come up here and share the word with you. And if I'm going to be honest, I, I don't really know if I'd call this a sermon today, because as I've been praying about what I'm going to speak on, I've known this for like, you know, months, month and a half, you know, I, I really couldn't think of anything, to be honest with you. And anything I would think of, I was just like, it just wasn't, it wouldn't stick. And I'm like, okay, God. And so what God really pressed on my heart is, not necessarily to preach a sermon. And when I say preach a sermon, it's so easy to take some Bible text, look at it, kind of sterilize it, right? Objectify the text, talk about the context, talk about this, and really present it in a way where the Word stands alone. You don't really have to do much with the Word of God. When you dig into the Word of God, it can stand on its own. I don't have to do anything to that. So that's what preaching to me is, expository preaching. You take the Word of God, you present it in a way where you're not looking at me, I'm just showing you the word, right? But what God has really put on my heart for me today is to share how he's been working in my life, how God has been ministering to me. And so I'm not up here to necessarily preach a sermon, but to, to share what God has been doing in my heart. So it may not make sense to you, right, because this is God working in my heart, but it's what I feel led to, to talk about today. So welcome into my heart this morning. Uh, you're about to go on a ride. I hope you can, you know, kind of track along, because uh, sometimes I make sense. Most times I don't. Um, so what God has been really speaking to me lately, you know, let, let me backtrack. Everybody learns and listens differently, right? So for me, I'm kind of a slow learner. It takes me a while sometimes to really get it. And so when it comes to my personal walk with God, a lot of times I take scripture, you know, I'll be like, oh, I'm going to read through the book of Ephesians, and I'll get stuck in chapter one, and then I like can't, I can't go past it. It's like I find a verse or a chapter or something that really hits me in the jaw, and then I just sit on it. And my, what I mean, like sit on I stew in it. Like I can go days, weeks, months sometimes just circling around the same principle, the same idea, the same scripture. And so what God has been leading me through is the book of Ecclesiastes. And, uh, you know, it's been kind of a, a few-month journey, I feel like, since the beginning of summer, 
Yeah, this is how long I like work through things. But I'm slow, and it's okay. It's okay, because, you know, for me, it takes me a while to work through it before I can truly internalize something. You know, I have to kick it around a bit, do a couple body slams on it, you know, throw it in the road, do like an iPhone drop test, you know, drop it, see if it breaks, before I can truly pick it up and say, all right, I'll use it. Okay, I'll, you know, I'll work with this. And so the book of Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon. Some of you may know or may not know that. And King Solomon was one of the wisest people on the planet. You know, in, in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, Scripture says that God appeared to Solomon in a dream. Hello? God appeared to Solomon in a dream. And in this dream, he gave him kind of one of those, like, ask me whatever you want moments. Like, you ever wish you found a genie lamp and you rubbed it and, and you got one wish? What's your wish? To have more wishes, right? That's a smart play. But, you know, you got one wish. You got one ask. What, what is it that you want? Ask me anything. So Solomon, God was very pleased with his answer. You know, instead of asking for riches and wealth and, you know, whatever it is, he asked God for wisdom. He asked God for an understanding and discernment to rule his kingdom. So God was very pleased with that answer. He was like, good answer. And so he gave him that, and then he gave him all the riches and all the wealth. So he was one of the most successful, if not the most successful king of the United Israel. And at that time, he, he was basically a celebrity king. He was a rock star. He, he was known across the entire globe and still known today, right? So much that even like Queen Sheba went to visit him. He's established trade routes, alliances, with many of the known world at that time. So he was very, very popular. And amongst all his exploits, he acquired a lot of items, but a lot of wisdom. And so he pens a few of the, chap verse, um, a few of the books we know in the Old Testament, like Proverbs, a lot of the Psalms, Song of Psalms, and this book, Ecclesiastes. And so I'm going to read from chapter 1, verse 2. Through 11. You ready? It says, Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north, and around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out to the sea again. Everything is wearisome, beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. We, no matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, hey, look, I got something new. Nope. It's actually old. Shut down. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past. And in the future generation, here's the kicker, 
no one will remember what we are doing now. It's kind of bummed me out, you know? Like, if I'm honest, when I, when I hear these verses in scriptures, it's depressing, right? It's deflating. It, it's, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow. Because it, it takes our lives, right? And everything that we hold on to or we consider a meaning or value or, or find precious to us, and it's like a picture. It zooms so far out, right? So far out of scope that we are nothing but a flake of dust. And it, it adds little value. So, all right, folks, that's the message today. Go ahead, go home and be blessed. <laughs> so sad. Um, but yeah, it's 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 so so depressing when you just read that. So I want to give you some perspective, all right? So as as God is working through these verses in my heart, right? I want to give you kind of where I'm coming from. So at this time, I felt like God was truly revealing to me different seasons in my life. You know, I'm, I talk, Ecclesiastes talks about seasons too. There's a time and a season for everything, a time for laughter, a time for mourning, a time for joy, you know, and, and what those seasons teach me is to, to learn to be present where you're at, right? And so as God is revealing to me these different seasons in my life, I I come into these verses, and it's, it's challenging. So to, to give you more information. So what spurred this on for me, and this may sound silly to you, I have two children. One's five and one's 18 months. 19 months? Close enough. 18 months old. Um, and so my son graduated from pre-K with Jonas, actually. Yeah. Uh, he graduated from pre-K this, this past, you know, beginning of the summer, and he's now going into kindergarten. And it... For some of you, you may have older children. Some of you may have younger children. Some of you may not have children. And that's, you know, you, we are in each season of my life. And I know this is the season of my life. And so it may sound silly to some or, you know, oh, that's whatever. But this is just where I'm at. So God's working through my heart in these moments. And he's revealing to me these seasons of where I'm at now. And he's showing me future seasons of my kids, like, being adults, now, I know they're just five and 18 months, but he, I mean, when I'm saying he's wrecking me, I'm like, I'm envisioning this, and, and God is working in my heart, and I'm seeing like, oh my, this time is going to go by so quick. You know, it feels like yesterday I was holding my newborn son, you know, and now I'm watching him go on to kindergarten for the first time, you know, and, and God really, really messed with my heart a little bit, if I'm going to be honest with you. And so I started seeing these seasons of my kids, and and looking at them and what life is going to be like when they're grown. And so these are things that me and my wife have been working through now. And, you know, because for us, I, I want to make sure that we are building our relationship so that when the kids are gone, it's not just like, oh, well, what do we do now? But we're growing together as a husband and wife and not apart and being intentional about that. But this is sidetrack. Welcome to my heart and my mind. The way I work, I go circles around everything. So. This is, this is what God is working through in my heart at this time. And it, it really emphasized a few things. 
One, like I said, things are going to happen fast in life. Whether you're ready or not, things move fast. Two, I need to nurture the relationships I have in the season I have, but also be prepared for the next. And three, life is short. Because you know what? <laughs> you know, generations on generations, no one's going to remember me. No one's going to remember you. Sorry. You know, you might have a plaque if you're really good or a statue somewhere. But, I mean, life is just short. It passes us by. So all of that is going through my heart when I read these verses. And everything is meaningless, right? Everything's meaningless. And it, it didn't impact me necessarily in a bad way, but more in a humbling way. Because I realized that outside of the relationships that I have with people, nothing matters. Nothing. And even in those relationships, it makes me want to do better. I need to be better. That's what I, I gleaned from those verses. So I started to take this meaningless approach, or the so what attitude, right? Take this meaningless approach to engaging with people. Because if everything is meaningless, then when I encounter someone, it sh I shouldn't counter them with any type of bias. So you like the color blue, I like the color red. Who cares? It's meaningless. Oh, so you go to Catholic church, I go to uh, this church? It's meaningless, right? Oh, so you, uh, you like hymns? I like uh, freestyle worship. Meaningless. Does it really matter? No, what matters is that I'm engaging with that person, right? So I said, you know, I'm going to take this meaningless approach with people that I encounter. Whether I disagree or agree with them, I'm not going to come at them with these eyes of judgment because at the end of the day, it's meaningless, and so I'm going to try to love someone. This, this is me working through this in my heart, okay? So I'm not preaching at you. I'm just sharing with you what I'm dealing with. I'm working through this so that I can approach someone with that attitude and love them for who they are, where they are, no matter what they're doing. Now, the word tolerance comes up when I think about this, and I don't really like that word, to be honest with you. It just has a bad taste in my mouth, tolerance, because it's not about tolerating other views or other people. It's about accepting. It's about meeting them where they're at. It's about loving them. And so this is kind of my, my thought process. Now, now, during this time, I connected with an old friend that I grew up back in Hawaii. I actually did write this, and I met someone here from Hawaii today. Uh, you know, I, I spent the first 20 years of my life on the big island of Hawaii. Some of you may know that about me. Some of you may not know that about me. Uh, but I was raised by my mom, who's a single parent. And so she passed away a few years ago. Um, but this friend of mine, we went to church together. So we were in youth group together. We were in ministry together. We did all these fun things together, right? We're on the same kind of spiritual journey as, as youths in the church. But we grew up and we went our separate paths. So we were able to connect recently, last month or so. This summer, while I'm dealing with this meaningless thing in my heart and my head, we, we were able to connect. So we met for a couple of hours, you know, and, and during that time, again, I'm approaching everything is meaningless, right? Meaningless attitude. 
you know, we, we talk and we fellowship. And there was like a moment in the few hour window that we're together that things got really honest. Like you ever have those like windows of like, oh, wow, we're like, this is like an openness, right? Someone's being really honest with me and I'm being really honest with them. And so in this moment, it was basically, I'm not to share the specifics of what we talked about, but it was basically like, you know, I never expected I'd be here. And when, when we say that, we, we were just talking about our lives now versus our lives then. And we're like, yeah, yeah. I was like, but we're here. And it was a moment that doesn't make sense when I say it out loud because everything is internal in my head and in my heart. But it was a moment where we, we both contrasted our lives together, where he had come from and where I had come from and how we had gone on separate paths. But at some point we had reconnected and we weren't necessarily where we thought we would be 10 years ago, but we were here. And I, what I felt like God wanted me to do at that point was not to try to course correct him, right? Or be like, you know, this is what I did. Um, but just to love him. Because if everything's meaningless, I trust that God is working in his life just as much as he's working in my life. And it's not for me to necessarily course correct someone or offer this thing, but just to meet them where they're at and love them and encourage them. And that's what I did. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 12, it says this. So I concluded, there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And we should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor. For these are the gifts from God. Now, I'm going to be honest, I, I, I really struggle with sharing this verse because it talks about eating and drinking and being married, which clearly I have no problem with. Um, but it's, it's, a, for me, it's, it's a touchy subject. You know, I don't necessarily want to be preaching from the podium to eat, drink, and be merry. All right, guys, be blessed. Have a good day. No, that's, that's not the message that I want. So to do that, I'm going to counter with Ephesians chapter 5, 18 says, do not be drunk with wine because I'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So just throwing that verse out there in case anyone wants to take that verse and run with it. Okay. Um, but what I see in that verse from Solomon in chapter 3 was, if you look at it, he, he, says, he says this, these are the gifts from God. What is he talking about? Relationships. It says, so I conclude there's nothing better than to be happy, enjoy ourselves as long as we can, and people should what? Fellowship. Experience relationships. And he's saying that in those moments in this meaningless life that you find gifts from God. He's giving us a, a glimmer of hope, a highlight. In those little moments, you find slivers of heaven. Do you catch that? Do you gleam that? Look beyond the eat, drink, and be merry, but focus on what that consists of. Relationships, people, connecting with others. And in those moments, you find gifts from God. And that wisdom behind that verse really hit me. You see, the kingdom of God is not a place. It's the people of God loving one another that we find these slivers of heaven. You know, I, I remember one time when we were walking, my wife and I, we went for a walk around our neighborhood with my son. He was just first born. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. 
like this, but it was hoodie weather. So it was nice and, you know, you get to go outside. It's cool. You get to wear a hoodie. I love hoodies. Um, it, was, it was a perfect day. And we're walking along the side of the street, just on the sidewalk, obviously, not in the middle of the street. We're walking on the sidewalk, and we're just enjoying the day. And I don't remember specifically what we were doing, but as we're walking, there was a, a gentleman coming the opposite way. Okay? Side note. Do you ever feel like you meet angels? Just throwing that out there. Right? Now, this guy, I mean, he's probably not an angel. I mean, to be honest, he probably just lives on Broadway. His name's probably Joe. He's a mechanic. Just some regular dude, right? Just a regular dude. Okay? But he was an angel to me that day. Why? Because he gave me a message. A message that, for me, came from God. So we're walking along this sidewalk, and he comes at me, and, you know, I smile, hey, hey, neighbor. And he looks at my son, right? He's looking at my wife and I, looking at my son, and he looks into my soul. The stranger looked me in the eyes, and he cleared into my soul, and he told me two words, pay attention. I was like, and to be, to be honest, my first response was defensive. I was like, okay, have a good day. I'm like, I'm just looking at my phone. What's he talking about? I can play in a room on the sidewalk. Pay attention. What do you mean? I knew what he meant. I knew what he meant. I mean, so much that I'm talking about it, you know, a couple years later during a sermon. Because it, it, it hit me right in the heart. It was a message from God. That's why I call him an angel. Again, probably just a dude who's <laughs> on Broadway. His name's Johnny. He works at the, whatever. He works at Cumbies. Um, but it was a message from God. Pay attention. And so in that moment, I was convicted. I got defensive. Then I, I, you know, I calmed down. And I'm like, man, I need to pay attention. I need to focus on these little slivers of heaven, walking down the sidewalk, perfect, beautiful day, enjoying the fellowship of my closest companions. Gift from God. That was a gift from God. Do you get that? I'm outside after work one day, pushing my, pushing my kids on the swing. Sun's perfect. Everything's perfect. I'm taking it all in. Why? Because that moment is a gift from God. Are you paying attention? God is giving us little slivers of heaven, gifts that he's granting each and every, every one of us. And it's we find those in the relationship of people that are closest to us. Those are the gifts from God. But to be honest, the struggle that I had in my spirit of all, all this meaningless stuff and relationship stuff, I still felt like something was missing. You know, I, I walked away from that conversation I had with my friend, and I felt myself just becoming tolerant. There's that word again. Rather than truly loving. And so it almost felt like in my spirit I had taken a position of being a little complacent towards others. Because I was just trying so much, so hard to accept people and to be what, you know, to be meet them where they're at that I found I wasn't standing for anything. And it, 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 I mean, I struggled with that. And so I prayed more. I prayed and prayed about this. And I realized I, I missed the whole point. I was missing the whole point. I want to fast forward to Philippians chapter 3. 
We're going to look at the Apostle Paul. Uh, verse 7. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless, meaningless, because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless or meaningless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, meaningless, so that I could gain Christ. Now, Paul makes a couple of statements here that, that I really want to unpack. But first, I do want to explain a little backstory to this. All right? So Paul wrote this letter to the people of Philippi. I always want to say Philippines, but my wife told me don't, but I did. Uh, so Paul wrote this letter to the people of Philippi. Um, and in doing so, he was combating Jewish believers that had come into the church and were preaching something that was not the gospel. So they were preaching the old law and telling the newly converted believers that they needed to be circumcised, which was a mark of the old covenant in the old law, in order to be true believers and to receive salvation. And so Paul calls them mutilators, because that's what they're doing, and said, no, you don't need to do that. And so Paul says, if anyone deserves to be in heaven, it's me. And so he lists off everything that he considers to be of merit. He was born a Pharisee. He was trained a Pharisee. He persecuted Christians, yada, yada, yada. He was a top scholar in his class. He knew everything and did everything he could possibly do to be in a relationship with God. But he considered all of that his bachelor's degree, his master's degree, whatever, whatever it is that you de declare valuable or worth meaning, he said all of that is garbage. Garbage. Compared to this relationship, you see the parallels between Solomon and Paul? This relationship that is a gift from God. You see, the old law and what Solomon saw was just a foreshadow of Christ. It was never meant to stand alone or stand on its own because Christ fulfilled that law. Christ stepped off of the throne onto earth and chose to walk amongst us as one of us. And when I say one of us, I mean he grew up like us. He had brothers. He had sisters, he had a mom, he had a dad, he went to school, temple, same thing, I think. Maybe homeschool. He was homeschooled. How many of you homeschooled? No, all right. Uh, he was just like one of us. He played soccer. Whatever. They play soccer in the Middle East, right? I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, he played sports. He, he was a carpenter. He was one of us. He went to parties. He went to weddings. Granted, he did miracles, but he still went to parties. He learned to enjoy himself. He learned to be a human and a human in all of its form. There was nothing that he held back to become one of us. He didn't just become human and then sit down and be pious and be pretty. He got dirty, but he was still without sin. But he was one of us. He experienced everything there is to experience, everything there is to experience as a person.
And then he who was without sin became sin for you and I. He took upon himself the penalty of our inequities. He went down into hell and rose again to overcome death so that we no longer have to live meaningless lives. And that we can finally be reconciled to the one thing that Solomon caught a glimpse of. A relationship. And not just any relationship, because other relationships are fleeting. Other relationships are temporary fixes. They're like the woman at the well that Jesus met. And he says, would you like some water that never make you thirsty? Because relationships that we have with people at the end of the day is still meaningless. Because I will die. I don't want to break it to you, but you will die. Our lives come to an end. And we can only be sustained just a sip between the relationships that we have with each other. But the relationship that we have with Christ that was made available to us through Christ is what lasts forever, is what gives our lives meaning. And that is a gift from God. And that's what Paul was talking about. Everything he had ever done that gave him merit was meaningless. And there's nothing, 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 nothing that could ever make us worthy to be in that relationship with Christ. You know, I think of other scriptures that talk about the gospel. In like Matthew chapter 13, Christ gives parables. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man has discovered in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again, sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls when he discovered a pearl of great value. He sold everything he owned, and then he bought it. It's these examples of counting everything as meaningless so that we could take prize and take hold of the one thing that gives us meaning, a relationship with Christ. And through that relationship, we find meaning with others. Sula, I'm going to wrap up soon if you want to get ready for worship. So, you know, I'd like to encourage you guys today to not be caught up in the meaningless things of life. It's so easy to go through life paying attention to the noise, to get caught up in the details, right? So what, right? Look to enjoy the moments that God has given you. Be present in the season that God has placed you in. Find those slivers of heaven, those gifts from God, and take advantage of them every day. Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, I thank you so much for just being present in our lives, Father. I thank you for meeting with us this morning, Lord, and, and just working through our hearts, God, and allowing us to, to see you move. Father, I pray, Lord, that the good work that you started in each and every one of us, Lord, continues into its completion, God. I pray, Lord, that you open our eyes and, and allow us to see you working in different ways. Father, I pray for uh, new connections, new relationships, whether it's, a, it's a, that person that you've been bringing to our mind and our attention, Lord. I encourage you guys just to call that person, to pick up the phone. There might be someone that God has been laying on your heart recently. And you're like, oh, I should give that person a call. Call him. Call them. 
because those I feel are just cues from God. Take those moments. Take those moments. Don't just pass those moments by. Look at those moments as an opportunity to experience the gift from God that at the end of the day you may miss and waste it away. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that you give us more opportunities, more moments, Lord, where we can find slivers of heaven, not just amongst each other, Lord, but amongst the people that you have put in our lives every day. Father, help us to be ministers and ambassadors, Lord, in our workplace, in our school. Father, help us to to carry ourselves, Lord, with just a heart of grace. And in that heart, Father, I pray, Lord, that not only do you meet us where we're at, but you allow us to meet others where they're at. I just want to take a moment just to just to just to listen. You know, I, I do believe that God is speaking right now. Because that's who he is. He's always speaking. That's what he does. <laughs> but sometimes it's, it's so hard to turn down the volume in our hearts or in our heads. Sometimes the most powerful word that God can speak to you it's just one, one word. I'm not here to tell you what that word is, but I'm asking you to lean into him. Father, we just thank you so much for your grace, Lord. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your promise. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. For you are a good God and a good Father who loves and takes care in each and every one of us, Father. We thank you for the plan that you have for our lives, Lord. And though everything is meaningless, Lord, we find our meaning in you, God. We can count everything that, that we own or that we have as, as worthless, God, compared to our that infinite value of just knowing you in your heart. And your heart, God, just so it's clear, is about a relationship with us. It's about loving us. It's about caring for us. It's about providing for us. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you allow us to do that. You allow us to surrender to your heart, which has the best intentions. We pray, we pray this and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.